Welcome to FraserCast, a place where we discuss all things autism, mental health, and special needs. I'm your host, Dave Fettig. Today's podcast is sponsored by UCARE. UCARE is here for you during this challenging time. As an independent, nonprofit health plan company, UCARE's team of decomplicators can simplify Medicaid, Medicare, special needs, and individual and family plans for you. UCARE is for the people, all the people, no matter your income or level of needs. Find out what UCARE's people-powered health plans can do for your family at ucare.org. Today's guest is Claire Heisel. Claire is an experienced mental health professional with expertise in working with caregivers and children ages birth to five. Claire has a Master of Arts in Counseling Psychology and a postgraduate certificate in Infant and Early Childhood Mental Health. She is trained in trauma-informed child-parent psychotherapy and attachment behavioral catch-up, evidence-based interventions focused on working with caregivers and young children who have been impacted by significant stressors. Claire joined Fraser in 2008 and has served as a leader and supervisor for Fraser Mental Health since 2011. Hello, Claire, and welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks. So since we're talking about a broad topic today, uh, mental health for children, talk to us about how this connects with um, early childhood development, uh, mental health and early childhood development. Sure. Um, if we think kind of broadly about child development, there's kind of four areas that we would look at, and that kind of includes motor development, communication and language, cognitive development, and then um, social-emotional development. Um, and social-emotional development is really looking at um, how children feel and behave and relate to others. And then as part of social-emotional development is um, this idea of mental health and specifically infant and early childhood mental health. And what we're really looking at is kind of the capacity of a young child, kind of from birth to age five, to experience, express, and regulate emotions, um, form secure relationships, and explore in his or her environment. And this is really all within the context of the family and community and culture. So mental health and infant and early childhood mental health um, is a really important part of child development. So I think when people, and I mean, I'll speak for myself here, think of early childhood development, I often think of cognitive sorts of issues, right? Yeah, yeah. I think Emotional and social well-being and these other sorts of issues relate to how a child's going to do in school, for example? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think um, I think we think a lot about early childhood development is setting kids up to be successful in school. That, um, you know, when kids are five and they're going to start kindergarten, um, we want to think about how, how are they going to be successful. And an important part of that is, like you said, is their cognitive development. So how they learn and how they take in um, information and how they problem solve. But a key part of that and a key part of school readiness is really the ability to pay attention, to regulate your emotions, to interact with others. Um, and that really is when we're talking about social emotional development. Um, and we use the term social emotional and mental health often interchangeably. So you may, you may hear me do that. Um, but it's really important for kids to be like ready for school, right? Um, and so, again, when they can manage their emotions, you know, listen, follow directions, play with the kid next to them, those are all things that are going to set them up to be successful as they um, start their school experience. 
Thank you. So we're conducting this interview, we're having this conversation in April 2020, during a time when we are sheltering in place. That means everyone's at home who can be at home. Yeah. Uh, and parents and guardians are with their children. And it can be variously stressful. So I wanted to ask you generally about stress, but we're in a particular time that may bring, you know, particular uh, elements of stress into a child's life. But yes. to what degree do, do stresses impact a child's uh, ability of emotional, social well-being? Yeah, um, that's a, a great question and, and something that there's a lot of research on and, um, and a very important thing to discuss always. And also, as you pointed out, during this really, really stressful time, because what we really know is that children are really impacted by things that happen all around them, right? So they may not understand, particularly when we think about the, what's happening currently in our communities, they may not understand what's happening. Um, but they absorb it and they're really affected by that. And particularly they're affected, I think an important piece of when we think about social, emotional and mental health is children are developing in the context of relationships and those relationships that they have with their primary caregivers are very important to their overall development and really specifically their social emotional development. And so when there's stress that's happening either to a child or to their family members or within their primary care relationships, that is very overwhelming for kids and can impact their development in a lot of ways. So Claire, tell us how parents can make sure that their kids are ready for school. Something that's very important that school districts do um, is they'd like to have all children screened before they start kindergarten. Um, and the screening looks not only at things like their overall physical development and you know how are, do they have any hearing or, or vision concerns but it's also going to look at their social emotional development and that's typically through screenings um, or questionnaires that families would fill out um, and, and if they shared that they had any concerns like for example if they say my child um, he's been at daycare and he's been asked to leave or sent home you know three times in the last six months that might be a red flag for a person who's doing a screening to say this child maybe is having more behavioral difficulties than another child in the same age. Um, and through that screening process, the school district is gonna be able to identify, do, does this child maybe need additional supports and um, will maybe do a special education evaluation and or connect them with resources that would support them in other ways. So perhaps suggesting that they would get a um, you know, a referral to a, a community mental health clinic like Frazier. Um, so I think the screening is a really important piece um, and they want to do it, I believe, starting at age three um, with the hope of getting everyone completed um, before they would, would they enter kindergarten. There's a continuum of behavior. So when we think about child development, so when I say what do we typically expect for a four-year-old or what do we typically expect for a two-year-old? It's really on a continuum. And so there isn't necessarily like if your child isn't doing this exactly, that that would mean that they're not ready. So I think that's an important piece to consider. But pediatricians also, they do well child, when you go to your well child visit, which kids in the beginning have those like infants have them every month and then you start to have them yearly. They also ask you go through a series of questions and will help to identify if there's any kind of red flags. Claire, I want to follow up on that. 
so you described how school districts get involved with screening and how pediatricians can get involved. What are clues or what can a parent do to, to monitor a child's development and to be aware of issues that may be arising so they can be proactive if they need to be? Yeah, um, I think there's lots of resources um, on the web. I would say interpret those with caution as well. Um, but talking about concerns that you have with your pediatrician or um, there's a it's called Help Me Grow. Um, they have them all across the United States, and there's a specific um, Minnesota branch, um, and they have lots of great resources that can help you to look at um, what the range, I think, of behaviors or um, kind of the typical development that you might um, see. Um, and I think a big thing for parents and caregivers is really um, hopefully to just be talking and reaching out and they have if they have concerns to ask about those. What might be challenging for me as a parent might be different than what is challenging for you as a parent. Um, and all of those things are okay, kind of hopefully by creating um, a community type approach where we can ex um, acknowledge that and that parents can say, this is particularly hard for me or I don't understand this and they could maybe start with their pediatrician Call Frazier. Frazier is a great place to start. We have a, um, a wide range of services um, that can help not only individual children, but caregivers as well. Let's talk more about Frazier and what Frazier can yeah. offer. Can you describe, Claire, some of those services, both for the child and the caregiver? That's a great point about the caregiver. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think the, the caregiver piece is really important, that one of the key elements of infant and early childhood mental health work is working with caregivers, um, that they are so important in the development of their child, um, that when we can support caregivers, that they ultimately support their child and then the child's development can, can get back on track and the parent-child relationship can also um, get back on track. So that's a real big component of any of the work that we do at Fraser um, and any of the infant and early childhood mental health field. Specifically at Fraser, um, we have a lot of great services um, and supports for families and children. You know, we would start with a, a mental health evaluation um, and that even saying that a mental health evaluation for a young child, a two-year-old or a four-year-old um, may seem to some people um, a little strange or um, right. unfamiliar. And really we're looking at the whole child and we want to not just their social emotional, but all of those other areas as well that I talked about the cognitive and the gross motor. We want to get, look at the whole child. And then we're going to make recommendations about things that would be helpful for you as a part of that assessment. Um, and that may include mental health services, but also we want to support families in, for example, connecting with the school district or getting rehab services, which could be occupational therapy or speech therapy, if that's what's helpful. And for mental health services, really um, for young children, um, most of them we would look at um, outpatient services, which would be family therapy. And that's really going to be working with families, um, caregivers to support their child and, and, and the specific needs that their child might have. So um, for some families, if they do have a lot of stress, we want to support them in understanding how that stress has impacted their child or their family. We, in addition to outpatient services, we, or excuse me, family therapy, we could do individual therapy if appropriate. We might do 
Um, we have day treatment services for young children. We also have um, some collaborative sites uh, with different community partners that is really unique to Fraser, which is a really cool opportunity um, for you us to- Can you give us an example, Claire? Yeah. Of those, one of those partnerships? Yeah, sure. So we have um, collaboratives with the Minneapolis Public Schools, the St. Paul Public Schools, um, Ramsey Head Start and Anoka Washington Head Start. Um, in all of those locations, we have co-located um, mental health day treatment services. Um, and it kind of varies from each site, but we'll use the Minneapolis Public Schools as an example where um, those kids get school-based um, early childhood special ed services at part of their day, and then they come to our day treatment service, um, a mental health service, and we work really collaboratively and closely with the teachers, and that really gives us really a, a well-rounded approach to supporting the child's um, needs. And then in addition, we work with the families, um, and we might, so we might be doing home-based family therapy. Um, and I think it's been 15 years that we have had this collaborative. Um, and it's really, it's really, when we think about school readiness, so this is all early childhood work. So if this is really targeting, you know, three to five year olds in that hope that we can really get them ready so they can start kindergarten and have a successful start. Um, and it's been, it's been a really great partnership, a really cool thing. I can imagine, Claire, parents having concerns about stigma. Yeah. And if they would bring their child into some place or even make a phone call or if they go a little, you know, a little farther than they might be comfortable with. Um, what, what do you say to parents who are nervous about that sort of thing? Like maybe putting their child down some path that yeah. might not be right. And then. Yeah. Um, I think that's a great point. And I, and I would say one thing that's been really successful, I think about when we work with our community partners that I think, um, hopefully it feels more accessible for families when we're partnering with schools. Um, I think all families uh, are expecting that their child's gonna be entering the school system. They feel more comfortable with that. Um, and by having this kind of warm relationship, um, families can uh, engage in a different way than for example, coming maybe to a community mental health clinic, um, that when I can, re can receive services within my community school and in partnership with the educational teachers, um, they can see that those coming together um, and, and it feels more accessible. Um, to, the, to the question more specifically about the stigma and how do we address that with families? I think that when we can, um, join with families and understand or try to um, recognize the, um, the, their resistance, not resistance, their reluctance, their reticence. Yes, thank you. Yes, thank you. Like sure. the reluctance and um, it's really normal to, to experience um, reluctancy about accessing mental health services. I think in, you know, there is certain um, labels or stigma that have been associated with accessing mental health services for a really long time. And when we think back maybe to what um, I had said when we think about social emotional development um, and when we can talk with families about mental health being part of that um, and that all kids have mental health um, because all kids are on a social emotional development path. And when we can join with them and say, our hope is to be able to help your child to be successful, 
and to identify specifically what their individual needs are. So both challenges and strengths that parents and caregivers do want their child to be successful. They do want their child to get the help that they need. Um, and by maybe looking at and viewing it in that way um, and, and really understanding um, and trying to meet families where they're at, that I think we've had success in um, supporting caregivers in that process when accessing services. Thank you, great answer for that. Um, so Claire, how early are we talking about when we talk about early childhood development? What, when should parents start thinking about or be aware of their child's emotional and social development? Yeah, um, social emotional development and mental health really starts in infancy, um, really from when a child is born. Um, in the beginning, um, it's really about the primary relationship that they have with their caregivers. Um, and when we think about the experiencing, expressing, and regulating emotions and that kind of forming close and secure relationships, um, that is really starting from day one. And they rely on their primary caregivers um, you know, solely to, to help them. And, and when we think about how does a child develop the ability to regulate, express, and manage their emotions. It's really starting from even the beginning. So when you think an infant cries, the child pick, excuse me, an infant cries, their caregiver picks them up, um, they rock them, they start to experience the the feeling of regulating their emotions. So they're, they're, they're internally distressed, parent picks them up, and they start to calm down. Um, so it's really starting from the very, very beginning. And um, again, when we, we've said this, caregivers are so important to the social emotional development. And you can see how in the beginning, they play a very, very large role um, in that. And, and we're talking about as well, like I can get my needs met, like I'm hungry, caregiver responds and picks me up and feeds me. And I start to start to learn about the world that I can rely on people, I can trust people. Um, and this is happening from day one, I mean, really all the way through. And this is really setting the stage um, for lifelong um, ideas about the, about the world. So if when I'm a young child, I got my needs met and I thought that the world was um, a safe place and I could explore, um, I will then grow up to be an adult who also thinks that the world is a safe place and can engage in relationships um, in, a, in a positive way in which I can get my needs met. Infants are impacted by stress and trauma. Um, and it, it doesn't look the same way they, if you were to ask, you know, a three-year-old about something that happened to them when they were six months old. Like for example, um, if there was, um, violence in their home. They don't have the ability to remember in the same way because that's pre-verbal. They don't have the language skills, but their body remembers. And if we think about what typical development looks like, so if I experience the world, um, it, it's I'm six months old and it's, it's a safe place. Um, when I cry, somebody picks me up. When I'm hungry, somebody feeds me. If there's stress in your environment and your caregiver's ability to do that, so caregiver, there's violence in the home, the caregiver's stressed, they're not able to respond to the child's needs in that same way. The child is learning about the world differently than the child whose needs are met in a more predictable, consistent, safe way. Um, and so then that 
that foundation of social emotional development then impacts how they interpret the world. So this now three-year-old may not know that when I'm at daycare and I'm hungry, the teachers there are going to get me food. So their um, connections and their brains are different. I would also say with that being said, children are amazingly resilient. So because, just because something stressful happens in a young child's life, um, it does not mean that at age three or age seven or age 12 or at 25 that they're going to have mental health challenges. They're extremely resilient and the relationships and caregivers with the relationships that children have with caregivers can really serve as supportive and they can, relationships can help to uh, mitigate any of the negative impact that stress might have. Claire, if I'm a parent and I'm worried about my child's social and emotional development, what are some indicators or signs that I would be looking for? That's a great question. And I think um, one thing to, it's important to remember that children don't use language the way that adults do. And if often if you ask a child, hey, is something wrong? They might say no. Um, but one thing that they do have is their behaviors and their behaviors are, are a way of communicating. Um, so to look at things like um, a child who is in, who has some sleep challenges, um, like they are waking three to four times a night and need, are taking 30 minutes to fall back asleep. Um, other things like Emotional difficulties, so often angry or irritable. Um, tantrums that are stronger and longer than others their age. Important to always put things in the developmental context. So we expect, we know that toddlers, two-year-olds have frequent tantrums. Um, so we would expect that. But we wouldn't expect that for a four or five-year-old to have you know, multiple tantrums in a day. So that might be a sign. Um, if a child, if your child was sad or cries a lot or is really difficult to comfort, so resistant to the norm, like hugs or reassurance, um, those would be maybe signals that their social emotional development or their mental health is, is, is being challenged. Um, other right, aggressiveness, that's a, that's a big one. And I think we see that a lot. Um, and again, toddlers sometimes will hit they often they even will sometimes bite um, but as kids get older we expect them to be able to manage their emotions in a more in a different way so if we see an increase in aggressive behaviors that might be a sign um, that a child's mental health is being impacted other things like social piece um, if they don't want to play with other children or they or they want to be alone those are some examples of some behaviors that we might see where a child is trying to communicate to us that their mental health or social emotional development is um, needing some help or some support. That's a great answer. Thank you, Claire, for being here today. Thanks, Dave. This is very informative and thanks for joining us uh, online. This has been a great podcast. For more information on early childhood mental health or any of the services Fraser provides, please visit www.fraser.org. That's www.fraser.org. Stay safe and be well.